0: Friends, let me add my welcome to Sherry's. Thank you so much for uh, making worship a priority in your Labor Day weekend. If we haven't met before, my name is Adam, and it's my joy to be uh, the senior pastor here at First United Methodist Carney. I also want to welcome folks who will experience this message online or on our podcast. We are wrapping up our, our sermon series called "That's My Jam," and uh, it's been a fun one for me. You know, it was important to me uh, at a church with multiple worship styles, both contemporary and traditional to let some folks know that hey, just cause I'm 35 and put gel in my hair doesn't mean I'm not down with some old time hymns. (laughs) Uh, So I hope you've enjoyed this as much as I have and uh, we're gonna be looking at "'Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus' this morning. Uh, I was uh, preparing to move in 2015. My wife and I were moving from St. Louis to Kansas City and like three days before the truck was showing up our basement flooded. I'll never forget it, I was in the movies with my buddy and I believe it was Jurassic World that we were watching. <laughs> I didn't wanna have my dinosaur time interrupted uh, with a call from my wife who was like, you, you gotta come down here, it's, it's really bad. So our basement had flooded and like I said, we were moving. Guess where we had packed all of our boxes and stored them in the basement? I don't know if you know this, but cardboard is not, <laughs> not a great water resistant substance. It was just a mess. The Flood was terrible. Flooding is almost always awful, right? I'm gonna betray my, uh, my age here, but I don't know if there's, I know y'all are big Xbox people. Uh, there was uh, some villains in, in this, this Xbox game called Halo. They were called The Flood. It was never good. You didn't wanna see these guys, never good. Uh, This summer, I was driving from Omaha, Nebraska, when so much of the Midwest was was underwater. I don't know if you remember that earlier this year. I actually pulled over to take this photo. It looks like I'm pulling up on beachfront property. This is I-29. It was just underwater. Parts of it were closed. It was crazy. My guess is that a lot of us have had bad experiences with flooding. So this morning, and it's so sweet to trust in Jesus... Why do we sing about it like flooding is a good thing? Like I said, during the series, That's My Jam, we've been looking at treasured hymns and, and their biblical roots, kind of where, where do these songs come from uh, in the Bible? So full disclosure, uh, like I said, I wanted to, to let folks know that I'm a, I'm a versatile fella, and uh, I love that our church has a wide range of music, some of which we experienced excellently this morning. Thank you all, and thank you, Lori. My goodness. Uh, And I think uh, my hope is that through this series, anytime you hear this song, you'll think about the message uh, that we'll receive from the book of Romans today. Um, So the lyrics of Tis So Sweet to Trust in Jesus, they were written in 1882 by Louisa M. R. Stead after tragic circumstances in her life. And we sang it earlier, oh, how sweet to trust in Jesus, just to trust his cleansing blood, just in simple faith to plunge me neath the healing, cleansing flood. Now I love this song. I think it's beautiful. But without some context, I think that lyric seems kind of ominous, right? To plunge me under a flood. How is drowning good news? What I don't understand. Well, I think it's pretty obvious that this song is an allusion to baptism. And that's the only time I can think of being plunged under a flood As a good thing. You know, the imagery of flooding is not a happy one in the Midwest. When it floods, things die. Floods bring death. And this morning, I think what we'll discover is that death is the point. Our scripture message is from the book of Romans, chapter 6, verses 1 through 5. Now, the biblical book that we call Romans is a letter to the church in Rome. Written by the Apostle Paul. An apostle is simply somebody that learned directly from Jesus. So the book of Romans is a letter written by Paul. And you know you're a big deal when you only need one name. Right? Like Mariah, Whitney, Usher, Paul. Paul. Probably the greatest single missionary in church history. And it's my estimation that the book of Romans is one of the most theologically intricate books in the whole Bible. I think we could, we could have a sermon on almost each one of these verses this morning. So Paul is appealing to his community to continue to grow in their faith and not go back to their old ways. And we'll start in verse 1 of Romans chapter 6. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? There's a version out there of Christianity that, that, that treats faith almost, almost like an emergency parachute or, or that, or that it's, it's like you've struck a deal with God and been granted immunity. Oh, so, so you've been saved? All right, now you can do whatever you want. Jesus will forgive you. That's called cheap grace. That you love the benefits of following Jesus you don't want to count the cost of what it means to follow Christ if you want to read a big boy or big girl book on theology you can check out the cost of discipleship written by a German theologian named Dietrich Bonhoeffer and he's the one who kind of coined that term cheap grace so Paul's point is that part of our response to Christ is the desire to let those sinful things die let's read on in verses three and four Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from death through the glory of God the Father, we too may live a new life. Who knew baptism had to do so much with death? When we're baptized, it's a type of death. You're putting to death your selfish desires. You're putting to death the old things about your life that weren't from God. You're putting to death your debt to sin. That's what it means to be baptized into Christ's death. Jesus died for our sins and he showed that the power of sin, the power of death, holds no power over him. That's the good news. This is the image of baptism that after Jesus died, he rose again. And so that's why the imagery is so strong in immersion baptism. When you go down into the water, it's like, it's like a burial. That's what it's symbolizing. You have died with Christ. And when you come back out, it's like a resurrection. You have risen into a new life that we too may live a new life, as Paul said archaeologists have found ancient baptismal fonts and they're in the shape of a cross and they've got steps in them. And so you would enter in to your baptism through one side of the cross being bar- buried with Christ and you emerge on the other side of the cross as a sign of new life and celebrating his resurrection. If I had tons and tons of money, we'd build one of those bad boys right here. <laughs> I, just, I just think that is so cool. I just love that. Paul says in verse 5 For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. I'd love for you to take a moment and think about the most important decisions you've ever made in your life. We can run the whole spectrum. From the youngest of us to the oldest. You know what what sports you were gonna play as a kid and who you met doing those and how that shaped your life. Who to date or who to dump? Maybe who dumped you? What to do post-high school? What to major in? What jobs to interview for? Who to marry? what to name your children, when to retire, should we sell our house, should we purchase this house? There's an unfathomable number of decisions represented in this room. It boggles my mind to think about all the million uncountable things that had to happen, all the choices that we made to help us wind up here together this morning. But there's only one decision in all of those that will affect our lives for eternity. The decision to follow Christ and be baptized. The decision to be baptized into Christ's death and resurrection. Baptism is about death. We sang about it. Just from sin and self to cease. The waters of baptism are the healing, cleansing flood that we emerge from with new life and the hope to share in Christ's resurrection. Jesus himself instituted baptism. He himself was baptized in the Jordan. In some of his parting words to his disciples, we read in Matthew 28, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. For 2,000 years, Traditions have have developed in a variety of directions around baptism. And so I wanted to speak to just two of those traditions that we have in the United Methodist Church. Is it all right if I get a little technical with you this morning? Is that okay? All right. Okay, first up, infant baptism versus believer baptism. Now, in some denominations, only those old enough to kind of mentally understand uh, Jesus' good news repent of their sin, and make their own profession of faith can be baptized. This is called believer's baptism. As Methodists, we have a different understanding of the order in which these things can take place. We believe in what's called prevenient grace. That's not a word I use often outside of a sermon. You know, when I order appetizer, it's not my prevenient food, (laughs) right? But it's, it's an important word. And, 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 and we understand what it means when we break it down, even, even if it's not super familiar to us. Right, uh, a preview to a movie is what comes out before the movie. Jeremy and I were talking about that Star Wars trailer just this morning. So the preview comes out before the movie. Prevenient grace is God's grace at work in your life before you're even aware of it. So as Methodists, we believe that even, even little children, little babies, that God knows their name before they even know their own names. And even as they grow, that God is at work in their life before they're even aware of it. That's true for every child of God. We also believe that those baptized as infants should grow up to profess their faith for themselves. And that's why the confirmation process is so important in the United Methodist Church. Confirmation meaning making firm what has gone before. So when we baptize an infant, we'll do two at the next service, by the way. The parents are making promises on their child's behalf. They're accepting God's promises for their child on their behalf. And then when that child grows, someday they'll be able to claim those promises for themselves. So in Methodism, baptism is more about the activity of God than the experience of the participant. We believe baptism is a sign of what God is doing in people's lives, not the the participants' preferred mode of baptism or even their memory of it. We believe it's God who put death to sin through Christ's death, that it's God who brought about Jesus' resurrection, and it's God that saves us in baptism. So in my opinion, if we made someone know enough about God before they could be baptized, who among us could get a high enough score on that spiritual ACT? Right, the Bible says that no one can measure the depths of of God's understanding. And so for me, infant baptism makes a lot of sense, especially when you think about this quote from Paul Wesley Chilcote. I love what he said. In reality, all baptism is infant baptism. Regardless of our age, are we not all perennially infants in relation to God. Woo! All baptism is infant baptism. I also wanted to speak on the mode of baptism or how much water we use. This is a really big deal to some folks, and I get it. Like I said, the imagery of death and resurrection that's present in immersion is so powerful. I love that at our church we have an immersion tank. It's right there in that closet. I love full immersion, but there's other traditions as well. Some folks uh, sprinkle like when we, (laughs) I I ain't about to immerse an infant, right? I like having a job. (laughs) So there's some practical concerns around some of this stuff, right? So sometimes we'll sprinkle water on babies or other times we'll we'll pour like a little bit more water and uh, that we'll use and we'll pour water over people's heads. But in the Methodist church, here's the thing. We do all three. This church is a full service baptism church. So whichever preference folks have, great, let's do it. We recognize all of those in the Methodist church. For us, it's not about the amount of water that's gonna save you. That's not the point. All of that water, no matter how much or how little, is just representative of what God is doing in your life. It's God that does the saving, not the amount of fluid involved. And all that brings us back around to water. How long has it been since you've thought about the healing, cleansing flood? This sign of baptism that we perform has so much meaning. There's also lots of us who were baptized as babies, like, as, as I was, as my children were. And we have no recollection of our baptism. So this morning we're gonna do something a little bit different. You're gonna have an opportunity to remember your baptism. It's a simple way to remember the promises of God that you claimed when you were baptized. That where Jesus was going, we will go also. That we have shared in Christ's death to sin and that we will be united with him in a resurrection like his. That's the good news. And I think it's a good thing to be reminded of that. I mean, imagine if someone told their spouse on their wedding day, I love you. And then that was it. Is that not something that we should celebrate often? Some friends of mine uh, had a, their 10-year anniversary this summer, and, and they did a vow renewal ceremony. Oh, so powerful. I loved it. Now, this wasn't a redo. It's not like they weren't married the whole time. But they were simply calling those vows back to mind and making a public profession that we still meant it. So in just a moment, you'll be invited to come forward and you'll receive the sign of the cross on your forehead uh, with some water from our baptismal font. And Sherry and I, Pastor Sherry and I will say to you, remember your baptism and be thankful. Now, I need to get a couple house, housekeeping things in, in order here. So this, this remembrance of baptism is for folks who have been Baptized. If you haven't been baptized, we don't want to leave you out. So you can come up and you can still share a prayer with Sherry or I. If you haven't been baptized before, and today might be the day, we'd love to talk to you about that as well. We had one of these at Westside last week. It was awesome. And if you brought a change of clothes, we got the tank in the closet. (laughs) And You run home and we'll do it at the 1045. So we want you to know that even if you haven't been baptized, we'd love to come up and share a blessing with you. The other thing I want you to know is that this is not a redo. So this is a little dramatic, but I'd love for everyone to raise their right hand. Go on. Help me out. Repeat after me. I understand, I understand. remembering your baptism, Remember your baptism is not, not. A, redo. a redo. All right, thank you so much. We're good. We're good. <laughs> you know, a lot of folks haven't done this before. I think it's a very powerful thing to do. It's an opportunity for you to call to mind your rejection of sin and the evil powers of this world. It's a call to repentance, to put to death those things in your life that aren't from God and to affirm your decision to follow Christ. And so friends, we'll have, we'll have the opportunity to do that in just a moment, but before we do, uh, let's pray. God, thank you so much for this morning and the chance to be together, the chance to be encouraged uh, from the reading of your word. God, we celebrate both uh, the hope-filled promise and the solemn reminder of baptism. That in order to follow you, in order to be raised to life, to experience a life marked by resurrection, first we have to die. We have to die to ourselves. We have to die to the power of sin. We have to put to death all those things that don't come from you. God, we're reminded of the power of death every single day in the headlines. So many in our community and around our country and around the world experience so much violence. God, it's a scary world and it's tempting for us to hunker down and just fend for ourselves. So help us to choose a resurrection life to let selfish desires die and to be raised to new life in your name that we could go and be instruments of your peace. That when people interact with us, they could get a taste of the possibilities of what life in you is like. God, as we remember the promises we claim at our baptism, help us to honor you and to truly appreciate and not take for granted the precious gift of your son that it's so sweet to trust in him and may we be reminded this morning of the healing, cleansing flood of your love and grace. And everybody said, Amen.